The Tudor History and Travel Show is a podcast that brings Tudor history to life by exploring Tudor places and artefacts in the flesh. You will be travelling through time with Sarah Morris, the Tudor Travel Guide, uncovering the stories behind some of the most amazing Tudor locations and objects in the UK. Because when you visit a Tudor building, it is only time and not space which separates you from the past. And now over to your host, Sarah Morris. Hello, it's Sarah, the Tudor Travel Guide here. Welcome to this month's episode of the Tudor History and Travel Show. This is just a note to say that if you are hearing this, then you are not currently part of my membership programme and will only be hearing the first part of each show. In order to access full episodes of the Tudor History and Travel Show, you will need to become a member of my membership site, the ultimate guide to exploring Tudor England via the link in the description associated with this podcast. Well, as I record this, there is a storm blowing outside the window and it reminds me very much that we are now entering winter. It is the month of November and I have to say that whenever I think of November, I think about Thomas Wolsey because, of course, the 30th of November is the anniversary of Wolsey's death at Leicester Abbey in 1530. Wolsey, of course, had been arrested at Cowood or Cawood in North Yorkshire, never quite sure how to pronounce it, and was being taken back to London on charges of high treason. He had certainly fallen from the king's good graces, largely, and this is just the very top-line summary, for failing to secure, of course, Henry's annulment from his first wife, Catherine of Aragon. But of course, lurking in the background were some ominous enemies, the likes of the Duke of Suffolk, the Duke of Norfolk and Anne Boleyn, who had never got over the fact that Wolsey had intervened in her potential marriage to Lord Percy. It was enemies such as these who resented the Cardinal's power with the King and used their wit wherever possible to turn the King's mind against his former Lord Chancellor and right-hand man. And therefore, it is indeed appropriate that the subject of today's episode of the Tudor History and Travel Show is the man himself, Thomas Wolsey, who was, of course, born and raised in the Suffolk town of Ipswich. And in fact, that is where we will be going. And I will be joined by our guest expert today, Phil Roberts, who lives in the area and who knows pretty much everything there is to know about Wolsey and Ipswich. And of course, is an author of one of his biographies. And we'll come to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But first, ladies and gentlemen, I crave your indulgence to talk to you a little bit more about a brand new venture that I recently launched that um, some of you will already have heard about. And that is, of course, Simply Tudor Tours, a Tudor history tour company created by Tudor history lovers for Tudor history lovers. And our flagship and inaugural tour will be launching in September 2024. And I will be part of co-hosting that tour. And it is, of course, called The Rise and Fall of Anne Boleyn. I co-founded and launched the tour company alongside Adam Pennington. Uh, Some of you will know Adam as the Tudor chest at the beginning of October. And on our first inaugural tour, we'll also be joined by my long-term friend and author and Tudor historian Natalie Gruniger, who of course co-authored the In the Footsteps books with me and has gone on indeed to write most recently a book called The Final Year of Anne Boleyn. So she's perfectly positioned to join us on this tour and create a rich bed of knowledge 
Now, as you might imagine, I often get asked about whether I lead tours. And now finally, yes, I can say that yes, I do. And in fact, I know that there are many of you out there who are not simply content to read about Tudor history, but you want to touch it for yourself by going and visiting locations in which amazing and historic events unfolded. Well, I and Adam and indeed Natalie understand this. We know that to understand the past, you need to experience the past and that there is nothing like visiting a place in person to see that well-trodden path of history in a brand new light. So I wanted to take a moment to tell you a little bit more about this tour if you're not yet familiar with it. Uh, because we still have a few places left for booking. It is called, as I mentioned, uh, The Rise and Fall of Anne Boleyn. It's a seven-day, six-night tour that runs from the 2nd to the 8th of September 2024. And it will bring us right into the heart of some of the most significant locations associated with Anne's meteoric rise and fall. There are quite a few highlights on this seven-day tour and too many to cover here, but I want to share just a few of them, uh, those that I think you will particularly love. Indeed, we have managed to gain access to places that you would simply not be able to access otherwise, certainly if you were travelling on your own. Now, first off, we are going to be exploring Windsor Castle in a private out-of-hours tour where our focus will be reimagining Tudor Windsor, which of course saw the elevation of Anne to the nobility as the Marquess of Pembroke on the 1st of September 1532. And we will be hoping to go and stand in the very room where that ceremony took place. So many people, even Tudor lovers, passed through it blissfully unaware of its significance to Anne's story. Then, of course, no Tudor tour would be complete without a visit to Hampton Court Palace, where we will have Daniel Jackson, who's the chief buildings curator of historic royal palaces, not only showing us around the state apartments and through an expert eye taking us behind the scenes and well off the tourist trail to help see some of those places that are truly well hidden and are otherwise impossible to access. There will be some fascinating places to discover that many Tudor history lovers never get a chance to see. Uh, then we will be luxuriating in a two-day stay at Hever Castle, where one of the highlights that I'm particularly looking forward to will be dining in the Great Hall there, the place that the Boleyns feasted and dined. And we will be accompanied by live Tudor musicians and presided over by Henry VIII himself. So we'll all have to be on our best behaviour. And then finally, the final highlight that I want to bring to your attention is a visit to the Tower. And we've managed to secure a visit uh, before opening hours. So we will be getting there before it opens to the public, which gives us some private and exclusive time to go to the Chapel of St. Peter at Vincula and visit Anne's grave. And at the time, all the time, um, guided by Alfred Hawkins, who is the assistant building curator at Historic Royal Palaces, and he will also be taking on us on a wider tour of the tower. So we will be in very safe and expert hands. Oh, my friends, there is so much to talk about around the tour, but I hope I've whetted your appetite to find out a little more. And if I have, then you can head over to our website, Simply Tudor Tours, which is, of course, www.simplytudortours.com. And you will be able to find out more about the tours by looking at our tours page. And in fact, I will put a link to the homepage of the website and to the tour page in the description associated with this podcast. We launched the tour on the 7th of October and we are well over 60% full already and we do expect it to sell out. So if you're interested in booking this simply incredible experience and spending some time with me and Adam and Natalie, as well as a host of other experts on location, who will allow you to gain experiences and insights into a slice of Tudor life 
and illuminate things, illuminate new perspectives on a familiar story, then make sure that you head over to our tour page right now. As I said, links will be in the description associated with this podcast. Okay, hopefully I will see some of you there. With that, it's time to get right back on the Tudor trail and head on over to Suffolk to explore Wolsey's Ipswich. Now, earlier in the year, I went to Ipswich and met up with Phil Roberts, who is our expert guide today, uh, who has written one of the most recent biographies on Wolsey. And again, I'll put a link in the description so that you can uh, pick up that book and find out more information about it. Um, But he took us on a guided tour of Ipswich. So we wandered around the heart of the town, going from place to place, following in the footsteps of Thomas Wolsey from his birth through to the college that he aspired to found uh, in his name. And I was surprised at the amount of buildings and locations which still survive. It was a real eye-opener and I had a thoroughly wonderful time and I'm very grateful to Phil for his hospitality and sharing his expertise with us. And before we just go over, I want to say that I do have quite a host of uh, Woolsey resources associated with the Tudor Travel Guide. So, for example, uh, three years ago, I ran a virtual summit led by Professor Glenn Richardson, who has also issued a biography of Woolsey. Uh, It was the rise and fall of uh, Cardinal Woolsey, of Thomas Woolsey. And that virtual summit is still available to purchase in my shop. So if you were to type in Shopify and the Tudor Travel Guide, you would head on over to my shop and you would find the summit in the virtual summit sections. You can download those videos and you can keep them forever. Again, I'll put a link associated um, with that linking directly to the virtual summit in the description associated with this podcast. Also, in addition, I wrote three blogs which charted three of the pivotal locations associated with the very end of Wolsey's life. So from his arrest at Coward through to Sheffield Manor Lodge where he was taken ill and finally his final hours at Leicester Abbey where he eventually died and was buried. Again, I will put those links in the description. So if you want to read a little bit more and see some photos associated with the end of Wolsey's life, you can find them there. And then finally, just a couple of episodes ago, of course, we visited Sheffield Manor Lodge, which although we were talking mostly about Mary, Queen of Scots and her time there, of course, we did also touch on Sheffield Manor Lodge as being the place where Wolsey was taken seriously ill, his final illness en route back to London. So there's lots of content for you to enjoy across the Tudor Travel Guide associated with Cardinal Wolsey. But for now, we are going to hot foot it to Suffolk, to Tudor Suffolk. And we are going to meet up with Phil Roberts, who is going to be our expert guide for today. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Wolsey's Ipswich. Good morning, dear listeners. Well, I say it's morning because I'm up bright and early and headed into the centre of Ipswich, which is the county town of Suffolk, to meet with somebody I've been talking with for a long time over Instagram. Uh, Phil. Phil Roberts is going to be our guide today. Hello and good morning, Phil. Good morning, Sarah. It's lovely to meet you at long last. At long last. Indeed. And may I also say, a.k.a. Cardinal Wolseley, because you're not averse to donning the gown, are you, and uh, reenacting as the big man himself. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's about bringing history to life, isn't it? So, um, yes, I, and I've had many comments saying that I do look like him. <laughs> Although I need to go on a diet, but there we are. <laughs> And of course, I bring up Cardinal Wolsey and we're talking about him because he's probably the most famous resident of of Ipswich. In fact, he was born here, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yes. um, Not sure of the year. Um, Around between 1470 and 1473. Um, And yes, he was born here and raised here as a child, um, which will 
we'll be exploring. Explore later on. That's exactly why we're here. We're going to be doing, uh, dear listeners, a bit of a my usual walk and talk on location. We're going to be walking the streets of Ipswich, going from various different locations that have some significance to Woolsey. Yes. Obviously. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that because this is my first time in Ipswich. Uh, So I'm looking forward to going and seeing some of these places that I've read about. And of course, you're perfectly a place to be our guide today because you've recently written a book about Woolsey. I have indeed, yeah. Would you like to just say a few words about that? Yes, thank you. Yes, yeah, it was released in October last year, um, published by Pen and Sword. Um, And initially I wrote it for an Ipswich audience or Suffolk audience. Um, because I've, I've included what we know of Wolsey here in, in Ipswich and um, with the dealings of um, the, the abbot at Bury St Edmunds as well, which he was good friends with. Um, yes, yeah, so Wolsey is known here in Ipswich as Ipswich's greatest son, so it's, he's much admired here. Excellent. And, and I was just going to say, it's May. Um, this podcast obviously will be going out later than in the year. We were hoping for a lovely sunny warm day today, but it's absolutely freezing. <laughs> if you hear our teeth chattering, dear <laughs> listeners, along the way, you'll know why. I don't think I've ever been so cold in May. Um, and of course, you will also hear the sounds of life going on around us. You will hear sounds of traffic because we're passing through the centre of a you know, a, a city. So uh, there will be sounds of life going on. So hopefully that will not impede in any way your enjoyment of our conversation. But I want to go back to Woolsey and your interest. Why Woolsey? How did you get so interested in him? Well, I was born and bred in Ipswich, which obviously helps. It does. Um, but obviously with an unbiased um, approach on, on Woolsey, um, I researched him throughout many, many years now. I would say it's coming up to 10 years of research on Woolsey. And I just wanted to know more about the man. Um, And after watching so many movies, uh, you know, of Woolsey being portrayed in different characters um, as an arrogant man, um, you know, pro-French sometimes. And, and, um, you know, I just didn't believe in what I was hearing or seeing. Um, particularly the, the the Tudors documentary where he slits his throat at the end. I think that's absolutely nonsense. Um, so I wanted the truth about the man, and I, I always believe in we should get down to the nitty-gritty and the truth, you know, of the research and evidence that we have that remains. Um, so I, I've, yeah, researched the truth about Wolsey Fantastic. as much as I could. Um, so my book, sorry, I mentioned. I haven't mentioned the title of the book, if I could just of mention that. Of course you can. <laughs> so the book is called Cardinal Wolsey for King and Country. Uh, the reason for King and Country is that, uh, as, as you're aware, and I know you've done a, a, um, a session on Wolsey before, um, at, that Wolsey put his king first. He was the king's cardinal. Um, and he served, he never went to Rome, um, but he, you know, he was here for his King Henry VIII, served him 99% most of the time um, successfully. Um, obviously, we know that uh, his, uh, Henry's annulment was a failure, but I've dug up things on Wolsey that gives a good light on Wolsey. He's, he's had a lot of bad press throughout the years. Well, you know, we're going to be following him from the place of his birth, and yes. no doubt you'll be sort of helping us unpack the story, but I don't want to lose this question that I want to ask you now, because we're going to be having two or three hours of walking, and if I forget to ask you this question right at the end, that would be such a shame. So let's just go and cut to the end before we go back to the beginning. So what do you think you learned about Wolsey that has really changed for you, or what are the biggest misconceptions that you would love to see put right? Um, one thing that comes to mind is his um, softness, really, with the Lutherans um, as it was beginning to, you know, be uh, taught here in, in England. Uh, if I can give you one example, um, there was an argument between who Latimer, a very famous name that we know of, um, and he was beginning to preach the Lutheran, uh, he was a priest in, in the Diocese of Ely, not far from here, ah, right. in Cambridgeshire. Mm. And uh, 
he was having an argument with his bishop, Bishop West, um, and Wolsey got to hear of this disagreement, and Wolsey wanted to interview who Latimer, which he did. And uh, at the end of, of the interview, Wolsey actually gave Hu Latimer a license to continue his preaching, which to me is, is quite remarkable, oh, yeah. isn't it, really? It is. Um, I mean, Wolsey never burnt any heretics, as they called them, um, such as like Thomas More certainly did. Uh -huh. um, he, yes, he did burn some Martin Luther books um, outside St Paul's uh, Cathedral. Um, but then who wouldn't, you know, having King Henry VIII looking down on you, you know. But not people, um, not burning but, people. No, not at all, no. So he was very lenient, I would yeah. say, towards this new movement. And who knows, he would have probably spoken to T Thomas Cromwell, his loyal servant. Uh, as we know, Thomas Cromwell was um, one of these new mm. evangelists, as they were known as then, mm. about this new religion that was coming into the country. So I, 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 I like... The fact that uh, Wolsey took on board, you know, different views of of people that he wasn't judgmental oh. um, and so conservative. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the the Ipswich Shrine later, and I think that would have had a, a great deal of um, influence in in Wolsey's life as a child as well. Right. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I certainly hadn't thought of that aspect of Wolsey. So thank you for shining a light on that. I'm already thinking of him a little bit differently. Um, so, okay, let's start our journey. Uh, where are we in Ipswich and why have you brought me here? <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> it's, we're just down a little alleyway at the moment, so it's not very attractive. But. Uh, we're not far from the Ipswich waterfront. Now, the Ipswich waterfront has been important to the town since Anglo-Saxon times. It's been a thriving port for imports and exports, and uh, merchants would have um, obviously lived here and worked here. Um, now, we've, we've got a church just to our side here. Mm. It's called St. Clement's Church, and it's one of three medieval churches in a row, just as I said, we're quite close to the waterfront uh -huh. here. Now this church particularly was the sailors' church in Tudor times. So this is an original church, a medieval church? It is indeed, yes. Um, Ipswich has uh, 12 medieval churches. Um, six are still used as uh, for worshipping oh, wow. in. This one has just been converted, actually, and it'll be used for concerts and uh, art galleries and such like. But St. Clement was a patron saint for sailors, you see, right. so it's, hence the name. But while we're actually on this spot here, going back to the, the, the seafarers' time, now we all remember the first person who circumnavigated the world, Sir Francis Drake, yeah. of course. Yes, but no one remembers the second person who did this. Well, it was a man here from Ipswich, <laughs> and his name was Thomas Eldred. And uh, like Wolsey, he's well-renowned here in Ipswich even today. Um, there was a pub named after him, but unfortunately that's gone now. Um, mm. But um, he uh, had a navigator called Thomas Cavendish, no relation to George Cavendish right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. of Wolsey's fame. And the, another Thomas. <laughs> There's Thomas is a popular name in two uh, times, indeed. Yeah. So yes, he, he purposely circumnavigated the globe. Um, he was, uh, uh, this was in 1586, between 1586 and 1588. Um, he plundered Spanish gold and uh, he did well for himself. So his house was actually on the spot where we're standing, where we're standing. on now. Okay. So it was here. Uh, unfortunately, it's no longer yeah. here. But um, and uh, Saint, uh, uh, Thomas Eldred, he's buried in St Clement's Church, which we're looking at now. Oh, fantastic! That's wonderful. So we have Ips, which is a thriving port town. Of course, Suffolk. For those people who are not aware, is on the east side, so we're yes. on East England there. So we're facing over towards the Low Countries and yes. sort yes. of Scandinavia, that kind of area. Was most of the trade with the Low Countries with Germany? Where, where was that? Where did that trade happen? In Tudor times, yes, it would have been. Um, we've got uh, in Suffolk uh, famous villages and towns such as Lavenham and Hadley. Um, they were 
um, thriving with the wool trade, uh, producing wool and dyeing it and, and, and such like. And then obviously bring it here to Ipswich and send it, as you said, to okay. the low countries. Yeah. Right, so a major, major port. Was it a wall yeah. town, by the way, uh, city, town? Do you, do Ipswich you know? wasn't a wall town. No. It, it, it was, um, as, as I'm saying, uh, just mainly for mariners and, right. uh, and okay. the shipping. Okay. It was a, a, a large shipping port. OK, well, thanks for that, Phil. And I think we need to continue our journey. So where do we need to go to next? Well, carry on with the, um, Thomas Wolsey. We'll go to the beginning of where he was born. Well, let's do that then. Let's go. Phil, so you brought me across the centre of town to Black Horse Lane and I'm stood in front of Black, the Black Horse Pub, which I can definitely see some Tudor features. What's the relevance of this particular location? Well, Sarah, um, during my research of, of my book, um, I discovered that uh, Cardinal Wolsey was born in the parish of St Mary at the Elms, which is just around the corner from this the church is around the corner from the pub. Now, also I've discovered in the time of Wolsey that there would have been two inns in the parish. Now, one of the inns would have been connected to the Ipswich Shrine, which is just the other end of this lane here. Mm -hmm. But it would have been a, a, a hostel for the pilgrims, far too busy for a family to be brought up in, as we know that Wolsey had siblings. Whereas here, the Black Horse Pub, we do know from the Tudor remains that are on, on the foundations here that there was a Tudor in here as well. So we, we can't definitely say that Wolsey was born here, but it's most probably the location. Fact, yeah, of the location of his birth. So here it is. Can you tell us a little bit more about Wolsey's parents? Who were they? Um, what did they do? For a living, how did they make money? Yes, yeah, so um, again, from my research, the Wolsey family tree actually comes as far back as the Anglo Saxon times. So uh -huh. I've got proof that uh, there was a moneyer here in Ipswich, a Wolsey, spelled different yes. to what we know. So uh, Thomas Wolsey's father, uh, Robert, comes from Stowmarket, um, which is an, another town in Suffolk. Um, roughly about 15 miles away from Ipswich. He obviously came to Ipswich to make a living for himself and he did, he must have done fairly well for himself because he married a Joan Daundy. Now Joan was from a, a higher um, status um, ah, So he family. married well? He did, okay. yes. And Joan Daundy's uh, brother, Edmund, was actually an MP here in Ipswich twice. And uh, we'll see in a moment that Edmund Dorndy actually built some almhouses connected to the shrine for use um, for elder people um, living near the shrine. Mm -hmm. And we'll see later that uh, Edmund Dorndy was uh, um, made a chapel, a chantry chapel in a church in Ipswich. OK, right. So were his parents married here, Wolsey's parents, in that same church, do we know? Do we know if they were married in Ipswich? Uh, there's no actual uh, evidence or records of okay. their marriage at all, but looking at the evidence that we do have, yeah. it, it, it was more likely would have been in St Mary at the Elms right. Church here. So, so um, Wolsey's dad ran the inn here, is that right? Yes. So yes. he was an innkeeper essentially. Yes, yes. and from um, images and, and, and photos that we have of this um, pub from 1900s, we have um, evidence that there was an addition, uh, an extension um, built on to the, 
the pub here from the Tudor age. Mm. As we know that uh, Wolsey was known as the butcher's son or the butcher's cur, so it's possibly that Wolsey's father would have used this extension to uh, produce his meat and cook, okay. cook his food for, for you know people in the inn. Yeah. It's always quite humbling, I think, to come and stand in these locations where famous people from Tudor history, people we've read about so much, had their very beginning. Yes. You do have to let your imagination run wild a little bit, but if you can do that, I think it's... It's very evocative, isn't it, and quite emotional, I think. It is, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same. You know, as we can see today, it's not a Tudor building. Um, there is evidence of Tudor remains. But, yes, you do have to use your imagination in, in a lot of ways in yeah. looking at these things. Yeah, yeah let, the, let the current melt away and let the past emerge. <laughs> yes. and, and as you say, the church is literally, when you say it's round the corner, you literally mean it is round the corner. It is. So it, this would have been it, the, the, the hub of Wolsey's very earliest life was all of being happened around here. And I imagine, and we're going to go in a minute, aren't we, to look at the, where the shrine was. This was yes. such an important shrine. There would have been lots of pilgrims around here I and mean, it would have been a busy place. A really bustling um, Part of town. Yes, we'll, we'll go and see that now, shall we? Well, why don't we go and talk about that? Because let's let's go for a little walk up the path, and we can walk and talk as we go. So we're carrying on walking up Black Horse Lane, away from Wolsey's birthplace and we're heading towards this shrine. Now I've read a little bit about this shrine. This was an incredibly important shrine and place of pilgrimage. It is. So as we um, proceed up Black Horse Lane, we've got to the left here modern almhouses. But on this side here would have been a hospital, again, you know, for the um, infirmed and the sick, you know, mm. who were coming to the shrine to be healed. So they would have been here. Mm. Also, there was evidence that there was a, a leper's hospital here as well. And on the right here are the 15 almhouses of uh, which were donated by uh, Edmund Dornby. Um, so they were built here for the the older generation of Ipswich town. Mm. Now, I, I just must stress that we don't have those buildings now. We are being faced by very modern buildings, but you're doing a grand job of helping us reconstruct what that Tudor street would have looked like if we'd have been Woolsey walking up yeah, his yeah. street Absolutely, with the yeah. almshouses and the hospital. Well, they were here until, uh, again, the early 1900s. They survived that long. Um, but unfortunately, they decayed and oh, were demolished. So, so sad. Yes, yeah. So, so sad. So again on the left now, so we're, imagine we're passing the, the uh, Shrine Hospital and uh, buildings here. Now we're now approaching where the actual chapel of the Shrine would have been, just the end of this car park here. So that would have been a, a place of homage. And so tell us about this shrine was particularly venerated for who? Because I think, you know, certain shrines, certain shrines had different powers, didn't they, of healing or... That's of, right, well, yes. Was well, this one known for anything in particular? Well, yeah, well, so the Madonna was called um, the Lady of Grace of Ipswich. Um, that, that most of the Madonnas had different attributes connected to them. So grace, so she was full of grace, gracious, you know. But yes, there were healing um, and certainly miracles took place here. Um, one such miracle, uh, we'll mention the one in Tudor times. Mm -hmm. Now, she was known as the Maid of Ipswich. Unfortunately, her name was never recorded. And uh, she was only 15. And uh, she lived in a village in Essex called Thaxted. And her father was Lord Wentworth. He, now he, was, uh, he had a lot to do with uh, the, the actual dissolution of the shrine in, in the end, but that's another story. But his daughter, she was having fits. Um, she was uh, what we would probably call today a bit um, mentally disturbed. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, they, uh, she insisted uh, not going to Cambridge, which would have been nearer for her, but she insisted in coming to see our Lady of Grace of Ipswich here at this shrine. One important thing that I must say now is, well, as I've showed you, it's a very large area that it would have covered, but not just in, in the size, it was also the only second 
Marion Shrine to, to Walsingham. Um, Walsingham obviously being mm. the most popular in, mm. in England. Right. Uh, the Nazareth of England, as it's known as. So Ipswich was very well known for its shrine. Um, not a lot of people know that. No, not <laughs> at all. Know. And was it part of a larger priory or abbey, or was it... Was no, it, it just was, a church just, with a shrine and, and yeah, just the chapel and the, the shrine of of Our Lady, but it's also noted that uh, that there was royal wedding here. Um, Edward the First's um, daughter, Princess Elizabeth, married the Count of Holland, I believe in 1294, and of course Henry VIII came here twice. Catherine of Aragon obviously came here. Um, once with him, obviously, you know, trying to get, ask for a, a son. To conceive a son, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. And there has been, it's had a, like a, what we call today a celebrity status, sort of. Absolutely. You know. I'm just aware we need to finish our story about the, the miracle, the Tudor miracle that happened here. So, what So Lord happened? Wentworth brought his daughter to Ipswich and they stayed here and the family all came together and uh, she was cured, albeit briefly. And they went home and then it, uh, uh, these uh, events happened again of her illness. And then they came back again. And this is when Lord Curzon, Lord Robert Curzon, he started to make a, a report of what was happening here. And uh, she, there's, there's one account that she woke up in the middle of the night in, in a, a, a fit state. And she came into the chapel, um, obviously kneeled down in front of the, the lady and she was cured again. And in fact, it's also reported by Lord Curzon that her brother also started having these fits. And he came to the shrine and he was cured. Mm. So it's through hearing these stories and um, at this time, Cardinal Wolsey had been ill, so he wanted to go on a pilgrimage and he came here to Ipswich and Walsingham um, as well. But when he was here in Ipswich, it was in September 1517, um, two years after being made a cardinal. And you can imagine the crowds, uh, <gasps> yes. the population of Ipswich coming to see their son from Ipswich and now being a cardinal yeah. and the king's man. The boy yeah, made yeah, good. Yes, right, yes, yes. So he was warmly received by the people of Ipswich. And of course, he would have worshipped here at the, the chapel. Now, I've already spoken about St Mary at the Elms Church. Now, from my research, the church would have been annexed to the shrine. So the shrine itself didn't have a church. So right. for um, mass, they would have um, notably gone to St Mary at the Elms Church. I see, right. So it was literally just a place where you, you came, you prayed, you made your offering, I guess, to the shrine, and then if you needed to hear mass, you would go to the church. That's right, yes, yes, right. yes. Okay. Now, there's some interesting story about what happens to Our Lady, isn't there? Because you, yeah. I was just seeing you. Instagram the other day in Italy and I was going what's Phil doing and then when I met you this morning you told me the story so can you share what happened obviously the shrine was broken up at the dissolution I imagine yes that's right so Thomas Cromwell um, was in charge of uh, dismantling more or less the, the shrine um, with the possessions obviously they had to be uh, um, counted for and so he instructed two local gentlemen there was a Thomas Rush, particularly him, and also a Sir Lawrence, also. Um, the two of them, well, they were called visitors to the shrine to account for what, all the monies and all the, the goods of it. Now, there are several accounts of what happened to the statue here. Some say that, uh, yes, it was taken to Chelsea, to Cromwell's other home, to be burnt with the other statues from other shrines. Now, there, but there is another account saying that uh, that that is not the case. That uh, there is nothing mentioned of the Ipswich statue. Now, my supposition uh, or my, my thinking is that uh, one, it's possible that out of love for you know Thomas Cromwell, out of love for his master, that he may have 
ask for a contribution for the statue from Thomas Rush, um, who was again a servant to Cromwell. And perhaps Thomas um, Rush um, kept it hidden during the Reformation, obviously between um, mm -hmm. the times of uh, you know Edward VI. And then going on, in 1550, it was reported that a ship sailed here from Ipswich and it landed um, in a bad storm in a town called Natuno in, um, on the west coast of Italy. And uh, when the locals uh, received um, the ship and, and noticed the statue there, the, the sailors said that this is the Ipswich lady. Um, now there's one other strong evidence that it was the Ipswich lady, the inventory when it was being uh, recorded. It was said that the Ipswich lady had two silver slippers on and sure enough, this statue had silver slippers, which again, um, they were still on, you mm. know, if, if, you know, they would have been worth money, so mm. they would have been, mm -hmm. um, you, know, you know, taken off, wouldn't they? So the, the statue was obviously um, warmly received in the Tuno. They still today call it Our Lady of Grace. And uh, yes, I've been there recently and um, <laughs> in a procession that they have, a yes. yearly annual procession they have, reenacted as Cardinal Wolsey. Excellent. Obviously he wouldn't have been there in real <laughs> life, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, representing the Ipswich town, um, it's, and it, rightly so. It's an interesting thought that something has survived of the shrine. And I think what we're going to do next, head back in the direction we've come to look at the church, because I'm very quite keen to see the church. Yes. We walked past it, but we've got a chance to go in and have a look and see where Wolsey may well have been christened. Yes, um, the church is quite spectacular in its own right. Um, for instance, the, the door, um, which you'll see in a moment, um, is reported, or reputedly, um, said to be the third oldest door in the country. Excellent. Um, so it's very Romanesque in design. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I think, I think we need to go. Let's, let's get walking down this road, get to the church. I'm right. loving the sound of the... Um, the bells. The bells oh, in the background. Oh, good timing, isn't it? It's really nice. Yes, yeah. You don't have a cathedral, though, do you, in it? No, no, How did that, no. I'm surprised, given the importance of the town. Was well, there never one? No, because of uh, Bury St. Oh, Edmunds, OK, right. You know, um, they've got a cathedral. Yeah. Um, so the, the Ipswich has always has been the, you know, a thriving, busy town. Ipswich has always been the civic um, town of Suffolk. Right. down Woolsey Street, I can't help but being struck by how much of an impression, having such an important shrine so close to where he was born, seeing all these pilgrims coming and going, it must have had a massive impact on him. Absolutely, yes, it, it must have impressed him to go into the church, which he did later in life. We know that, uh, you know, he was a very religious person, um, he, and when he became a priest, he took his vows seriously. He um, um, performed the mass as a priest ought to. Um, and even when he was uh, a cardinal and archbishop of York, yeah. you know, he still yeah. performed the mass. Well, in that instance, I think we should, we're just coming up to the church. St. Mary at Elms, is that how you, is that the- At the, the At Elms. the Elms. Elms I just open your eyes, Sarah, and look around so you. So these cottages, the white ones here, they're the oldest inhabited um, building in Ipswich. 
gosh, aren't yes, they beautiful? Yes. One of them is still uh, occupying today, yeah. So the parish church of St, St. Mary, Mary at, at the, the Elms. Yeah. So I'm imagining the little Wolsey being received in the porch because that's how they used to do it then, didn't they? they yes, indeed. They, that's right, they had, yeah. They had godparents to... Can you remind me of what the... Because there is a very specific ceremony, isn't it? You couldn't just take the baby into the church straight off. No, that's right, yeah. So Edmund Dawndy, obviously his uncle, a much-cherished member of the family, of the Dawndy family, um, he would have uh, obviously processed into the church um, and with um, Thomas Wolsey's mother, Joan Dawndy, um, and the whole family, yes, would have come into the church for yes. the christening. Yes, and the godparents, I think, were there to renounce the devil on behalf of the child because the child couldn't do it for themselves. Absolutely, yes, that's correct. Yes, yes. Fantastic. Yeah. And just as we come in, we've got the bell striking. 11 of the clock, I believe. Yes, so. indeed, yes. So, what do you want to show me in here? So, this is a font from the Tudor age. Uh, unfortunately, it's, it's, well, I say unfortunately, it's not the design um, that uh, we have a, a drawing of the font that Wolsey would have been christened Didn't in. Didn't we? That's well, the Yes, yes. When, did, when was that made? So that was a medieval font. Oh, but, but the so drawing, the, when was the drawing? Uh, um, so that was uh, 1600s, I can't remember okay, the exact right. year. Yeah, so it, yeah. it did survive so the survived. Reformation. Indeed, but... yes. But this, now this could be the actual font because in Tudor times they did recut the stone, oh. in particular to have different saints or, uh, or images or even um, the Tudor roses on some of the, the fonts here in Ipswich. Mm. So this could be the actual font. We do not know for, for mm. sure, but uh, this is where the font certainly would have been. This is where Wolsey was baptised. Yes. That's incredible. It certainly is, yes. It really is. And how much of the rest of the church is the church that Wolsey would have known? How much has been changed over time? Yes, so we have the chancel, um, which is the obviously um, how it was indeed right you know to the altar is unchanged it's just the nave on the side which is which is different but it, i was going to mention that the actual tower um, as as we came in you'll notice it was a, a brick tower mm. um, now i originally thought it was built in tudor times but actually it was built um 1483 so two years before the oh. Battle of Bosworth. Wow. So it's uh, pre-Tudor, uh, but it's in the Tudor style with the diaper pattern, um, which you'll notice yes. on the... on the outside, the outside. of the brickwork, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, on the brickwork. And just a point in the church today, we have a new shrine oh. and a statue of Our Lady of Grace. I was just going to say that because it, it feels quite Catholic. Is this a Catholic church? It's an Anglo-Catholic church, ah. so it's Church of England. But the worship is similar to Catholicism, yes. And so this is the recreated shrine. Yes, it is, yes, as you can this see. This is beautiful, lovely. isn't she? Yes, yeah, lovely lilies and uh, flowers surrounding our, our lady. And do people still come here to they see do. her? Yes, they do, yes, yeah. I belong to the Guild of Our Lady of Grace, um, which we have monthly meetings and we talk um, about literature, about uh, the Virgin Mary and such like. And we go on pilgrimages to Walsingham as well. Do yeah, you? As a group. So you've actually done the, yeah, the Walsingham it, pilgrimage? Yes, yeah, many times, yeah. Really? Yeah. And it's a ecumenical um, mm. um, a, a group. So we have not just Catholics, but, uh, you know, Church of England, Methodists as well. Um, anyone is welcome. Fantastic. Uh, who has an interest in... The Madonna and the Virgin Mary. Have yeah. you done a longer pilgrimage walk, like the, um, the Compostela Santiago? Santiago. They say it's life-changing. Yes, yeah. The St. Yeah. James that, one, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah, in Spain. Yeah, oh. I would just prior to lockdown, I planned to walk the one from Winchester to Canterbury. Oh. Oh, yeah. Had it all yeah. mapped out, but lockdown yeah. happened. And... 
that just went I'm down. a friend of uh, Canterbury Cathedral, so I often go down there. Oh, do you? Yeah, I love oh. it. So spectacular. Uh, well, it's been amazing to stand where Woolsey's family would have gathered and little Woolsey was baptised. I think we're going to take the story forward and go and have a look at where he was brought up because he didn't live his whole childhood life. No, he didn't, no. Uh, in uh, the place at the age just... of pro approximately four to five, the family then moved and brought more property in Ipswich as the family became more successful. I was going to say, we're heading back to what would have been more swanky part of town, perhaps? Yes, that's or... right, nearer to the waterfront where the money was, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's head towards the money. Let's go. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> So Curson's Manor House was here. So this is where Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon came here. when they came to... Twice. So that, the house yeah. was here and there was like a, was that the lodge so, or something? So yeah, so Henry's entourage would have stayed here. Well, some of them, obviously, would have stayed ah, in there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Hello. Hello. Hello there, good to see you. listening to the first part of this month's episode of the Tudor History and Travel Show. The remainder of this episode is only available to members of my membership site, The Ultimate Guide to Exploring Tudor England. To join the waitlist to become a member of The Ultimate Guide, click on the link in the description associated with this podcast. You will be added to the waiting list and I will email you just as soon as the doors to the membership next reopen. I'll see you there. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Tudor History and Travel Show. If you've loved the show, please take a moment to subscribe, like and rate this podcast so that we can spread the Tudor love. Until next time, my friends, all that remains for me to say is happy time travelling.